This week on The Clubhouse, Anthony and I are on the road to the All-Star Game. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our last road trip shows, I recommend you start with episode 16 so you can follow along from ballpark to ballpark. We start this episode in our rental car as we make our way towards Cincinnati and the great American ballpark. It is Anthony's first time experiencing the wonders of All-Star Weekend, so we start this episode with a conversation about what the All-Star Game has meant to us as baseball fans. This episode was recorded in our rental car and in the stands of Great American Ballpark. Blue Jays win it! Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Got it! 20 strikeouts! He ties the Major League record! There it goes! See ya! I don't believe what I just saw! And he's out by five feet at the plate! And that was the worst base running in the history of the game! Fly ball! Hello, everybody. We are currently making our way through Indiana on our way to Cincinnati so we can experience the 2015 MLB All-Star Game live and in person. Anthony, you excited? I am, but I'm also wondering why you didn't have a funny way of saying Indiana. Indiana. I don't know, actually. In... I have no funny way of saying Indiana. I'm going to have to think about that and hopefully get one by the time we're driving back. Maybe everybody listening is thankful that you didn't, though. Oh, I don't think so. I think everybody loves my wacky little pronunciations. It's just the best. I am so hilarious. Uh, sorry, that was a little reference. We, uh, we've been listening to a lot of stand-up uh, as we drive. I've been introducing Anthony to some of my favorite stand-up comics and some of their best bits, and we just went through uh, Louis C.K.'s hilarious stand-up special entitled Hilarious, uh, which I highly recommend. I'm pretty sure if you guys listen to this, you may have already uh, uh, listened or watched his, his special Hilarious, but Louis is fantastic. You know what? Why don't we talk about that for a brief second? I've introduced you to several comics over the last couple of days. Are there any that are kind of sticking out to you as, as ones that you would like to hear more from or that you've really been enjoying? Well, I mean, I was familiar with a little bit of Louis's material and with Pat Oswalt, but I mean, it's, it's been fun to hear more, um, you know, and I knew Dave Chappelle as a, as a sketch comedy person, but I didn't know his personal stand-up so much. So that was, that's been really cool. But it's the woman, um, uh, Tig Notaro. Yeah, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm saying her name correctly because I was so unfamiliar with her name. She's one of my new heroes. And, um, <laughs> so thank you for that. So know that at times I can be prone to hyperbole, but I genuinely believe that Tig Notaro Live, L-I-V-E, which you can actually get at louisck.net, is one of the most profoundly funny and touching stand-up specials I have ever listened to in my life. And I'm, I'm a very large stand-up nerd. I've heard quite a few albums and specials, but, but uh, it is... Really quite something. I almost don't want to tell you guys anything don't about it. it. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You need to trust myself and trust Anthony uh, that it was absolutely sublime. Yeah, that's all. I don't want to say anything more because I want it to speak for itself. 
Absolutely. So uh, anybody else that we've been listening to? I know that you were getting a kick out of, uh, we listened to some John Mulaney, some Hannibal Burris, some Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, yeah, some... I, wasn't, I wasn't familiar at all with Hannibal, Hannibal Burris, and I think he's really funny. Yeah, Hannibal is great. Uh, I think you were digging some. Paul F. was the first one that I think I played for you. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't remember the names. I'm very bad with names, so forgive me for not thinking of them off the top of my head. Oh, that's all right. I can I can give you some context to the to the bits that I'm playing, but uh, it's been a fun kind of road trip because a lot of the times when we've been in the car this time, there really hasn't been a lot of live baseball to uh, listen to, unfortunately. So we've been replacing that with my second love, which is stand-up comedy. And let's be real, as you know, I got to play Hedwig years ago, and I think I quoted this to Munish, I don't think it, I don't think I said it on the on the recorder itself, but there's a great line in Hedwig, talking about some tragic things in her past, and and she says, she says, I laugh because I will cry if I don't, and let's face it, you know, comedy uh, helps us through the tough times, and I don't know about uh, if Munish, you know, uh, if this is true for him, but the Cubs were having a couple rough games there, and so I needed the endorphin release. <laughs> Because I, we've talked about before, like, why is it that we have such emotional and, well, at least I, maybe I can't, not everyone who listens to this, but, you know, I have such an intense emotional response at times to uh, the games themselves. Like, it's, I get so invested in hanging on every pitch. And there are, there are games that I listen to or watch where I can be a little more zen or objective about it and, you know, be appreciative of good baseball, win or lose. And then there are those games that just, like, my heart is in my throat, my palms are sweating, I'm hardly breathing, and I feel these things, and it's like, as, as you like to say, it's a, it's a game played by men in pajamas, you know, holding sticks. This is true. At the same time, I feel all these things. So at, at, the, at the, the past few days, we did win a great game yesterday for, you know, years, or whenever this is listened to, you know, this is, this is right, the All-Star break is when we're recording this right now. So. The, the, the last game before the break was one of those games that was like, it all went our way. It was a beautiful game. Great. Won. Great. But that was after three really sort of tough losses. So the endorphin release of the comedy that I've been listening to has been a gift. So, Munish, thank you for that also. You're welcome. I'm, you know, I, I'm really happy that I've been able to share this part of my life with you just because, as Anthony mentioned, you know, it, it, laughter is one of those things that, that's been a big part of my life since I was a really little kid in the sense that I just, I have gone through some some not so fun times in my life. And when I've gone through those dark times, I still always gravitate towards standup. Uh, there was a stretch living in New York where I went to the Comedy Cellar, this fantastic club uh, down there in, in Manhattan. And I went to the cellar uh, 29 times in 30 days. Just I was in such a funk that I just I needed to go every single day and basically watch stand up to get me out of it and make me laugh because nothing else in my life was really going great at the time. And it's just stand up is something that or just laughter in general, comedy in general. Um, as Anthony said, it takes the power out of some really horrifyingly negative things. So, I mean, some of the comics that we we uh, just mentioned do tend to touch on some very dark material. You know, there, there's really not much that is off limits for, for a lot of these stand-ups, which I can understand might not be for everybody. And I would never impose my comedy tastes on the world just because you never know. You know, some people find different things funny. But for me personally, I don't care what the subject matter is. Think of the worst, darkest, most depressing topic in the world. And 
I want to hear a joke about it. I want to be able to try and take that power away from it and be able to laugh at it. So I'm, I'm happy that I was able to, to kind of lift your spirits a little bit. Um, I am absolutely the same way. When my favorite baseball team is not playing well, which currently the Detroit Tigers, once again, as uh, we're recording this, they haven't been playing great. Um, this, is, this is some of the worst baseball I've seen the Tigers play in, in, in quite some time. And it is, I, I don't want to get into those depths of, of sadness and, and have that overtake my emotions. So yeah, listen to a couple of stand-up records. That brings me right back to reality and makes me laugh a little bit and realize it's going to be okay. There's still a lot more baseball left to be played this season after all. We're only at the halfway mark. A little over the halfway mark, mathematically speaking, but yes. Of course, but yes. So... Let's talk about the All-Star Game. By the time you guys listen to this, the All-Star Game will be a distant memory. So we're not going to talk specifically about the game we're going to see, but just the concept of the All-Star Game. Anthony, when you were a kid, do you remember, do you have any memories of what your relationship to specifically the All-Star Game was every year? None. Literally none. I don't remember it being a part of my awareness. Really? I really don't. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I was not as intense a fan as a kid. I liked watching baseball games when I did, but I wasn't following it. And I wasn't like, as we've talked about before, I wasn't like the baseball card collector and the keeping up with my favorite players kind of player. I just liked watching baseball sometimes. So I wasn't like living and dying, which is why it's kind of interesting to me in a way that I've become that person as an older person. But I'm not, you know, it is what it is. And I'm thrilled that I am. I mean, I love that I have something, you know, outside of my normal life to entertain me and to give me something to care about and to, you know, follow with, with great passion. Um, but yeah, no, so it doesn't, it didn't really mean anything to me. I mean, it's really only the last 12 or so years that I've 13 years that I've become a much more serious baseball fan that I've even paid any attention to it at all. And even then it's never been like that big a thing to me. The thing that I'm excited about most really is like that we get to go that I would get to see such a collection of really top players. I mean, that's to me what the all-star game is. You've, you've complained before about the fact that it's, it matters now and that that's the marketing gimmick. And I do understand that I, you know, I, I guess it doesn't really matter to me either way. It, you know, it, um, I don't know. It doesn't, well, this is actually, this is, this actually helps me a little bit understand why you've never been as enraged as I have about the, this time it counts. Uh, which I have not been a fan of since 2003. Uh, so if, for those of you who aren't aware, before 2003, uh, the All-Star Game was just an exhibition. It was a collection of, as Anthony just said very perfectly, it was a collection of the game's best players coming together to have a little bit of fun, and you'd never see them all on the same teams or playing against each other in that combination ever. Back then, you know, uh, Interleague had started in the late 90s, but for the most part, you still weren't seeing, if you were an AL fan, a lot of NL teams, and if you were an NL fan, a lot of AL teams. And so it was really kind of special, and it was that one time a year that, for me, the All-Star Game as a kid was one of my favorite parts of the season because I got to see, you know, there are the infamous moments of Randy Johnson, you know, throwing at the over the head of, of John Cruck and Crucky turning his hat backwards and basically just flailing at the next pitches and striking out and taking a bow because he was so terrified of the big unit. He'd never faced him before. Or Tory Hunter robbing Barry Bonds of a home run and, you know, Bonds 
throwing him over his shoulder or what, what have you. It's just the silliness of baseball. I remember, you know, as a kid, you they would mic up the guys in the dugout and you could see them picking on each other and, you know, trying to hit home runs or trying to do whatever it was. And it was just, it was really kind of cool for me to see these grown men, especially as a kid, really acting like children. Because, yes, while I do say baseball is a game played by grown men wearing pajamas, hitting a ball with a stick, it's not that for them during the regular season. It's a serious, it's their job. And while they may have, some may have more fun than others during a regular season game, the exhibition game of an all-star game was just pure silliness. But now that I'm realizing that you didn't really follow it that much, so your involvement in, in how much you've been into baseball almost coincides with this time accounts campaign. So it's almost like your entire baseball nerddom has existed through this time account. So I kind of understand now why you don't fully, uh, you didn't really experience the all-star game the way I think a lot of other people did before it mattered, when it was just pure silliness and how it was just fun. So it's not a good or a bad thing, it's just that, that is, that's interesting to me. Um, because I do not want the all-star game account ever again. I think that it's the, you know, Selig did a lot of things during his tenure, but that's one of them that I just, I, I really, firmly disagree with. I, I cannot think of literally one good reason why the All-Star Game should count for anything. Is it because it, and the, the reason that they did it, they said it was the tie situation? Yep. So in 2002, the uh, All-Star Game ended in a tie after both teams ran out of pitchers, which first of all, you know, a tie is a tie, whatever. But I, when I was a kid, I was just like, what? Position players. Position players pitch all the time. They're not going to get hurt. They do it in regular season games. Just have one of them lob in, you know, uh, an EFIS pitch. Let whoever it is on the other team crush it out of the ballpark. It's an exhibition game. Who cares? The fans will love it. It'll be a highlight played for the rest of the time. It'll be a special moment in the All-Star Game history. But no, Mr. Selig, you know, decided in that moment, we're going to go ahead and call this game a tie. There was some backlash. And as a way to kind of say, well... I don't know. I mean, I wasn't following the business side of baseball as much back then. And so um, that was just before I got my job uh, with ESPN. A couple years uh, later, I would start working for ESPN. So I maybe the, the TV numbers were trending downward. I don't know. Maybe there was another reason for it. If anybody knows out there, you know, shoot us an email at clubhousepodcast.gmail.com and let me know. I'd love to, to find out. But I, I don't know. I, I mean... Especially that fans, since fans vote, it's just, it's, it's too important of a decision for it to be decided on an exhibition game. It's interesting, though. I mean, I, I, I'd be curious to look back and through the recent annals of World Series victors and see how many uh, World Series finishing games were played at home or on the road. And I think that my current memory is that it's been... Well, that wouldn't oh. matter. It's more so just whoever's got home field advantage has the... Cause you got, it's it's your first well, two games. Yeah, but or, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's typically home field advantage, but it's interesting, like last year, for instance, the Giants won in Kansas City. Well, they won in Kansas City, but still, the, the it's and not it just... Game the, seven. Right, it's not just about the final game. For home field advantage for any sport, it's just it's just about the mindset. It's about the... Well, I know, the, but that's, I agree. It's the mindset. And yet, the Giants won in seven... At, well, who's to say that the they? Home. Who's to say they would have even gone seven if they if that game had started in Kansas City? Is what I'm but saying. But they both won each other's series away from their ballpark. Like both teams sure. took games in both. I don't know. Yes, I, I think it, it, home field advantage has a certain advantage to a certain extent. But at the same time, 
Oh no, I saw. I'm I'm a. But look, ma- but, but that's your that's your. I just want. I'd be curious to look through empirically and yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will see. definitely. You know what? I'll do what I can to try and see if I can find those those numbers before this this episode goes live. But I'm f- and I will fully you know uh, admit if I'm wrong. But I'm fairly confident that that there is a distinct advantage to having home field advantage. I mean, it's it's. Once again, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, so I don't want to uh, spread any type of misinformation. So I will look into that, and I will either insert it into this episode audibly or just head on over to clubhousepodcast.com, and I'll put the stats up there. Because inevitably, there's going to be some disparity between, if it goes back to the old way of the team with the best record, right? Yes. Has home field advantage, which, you know, I can certainly see the argument for that. Just empirically, there's always going to be some disparity because the team with the best record in whatever division they play in, sure. they might have a much crazier, uh, different kind of re- relationship between the teams in their division, which they play more often. There might be the worst teams in their division than in the other team. There might be other ways that there's always going to be some number. But to me, I don't care about that necessarily as much as the people who are deciding who is going to be the... Uh, uh, ha- have home field advantage are the people who are actually in the game. So what I mean by that is in the All-Star game since every single team needs to have a player some gentleman from the worst team in the league could hit a game-winning home run for the National League, let's just say, in the uh, All-Star game. His team has nothing to do with the World Series three months later. And then another team who didn't earn anything, who didn't, who didn't have the best record, who didn't, they played no part in getting this advantage. So to me, you, you, you could say the same thing though. That the the worst team in the league at any time could beat the best team in the league. No, no. What I'm saying is that record also. Of course, but what I'm saying that is if I'm going to play 162 games, and I'm going to do everything I can to basically prove that against my competition I am the best, I should be rewarded with something. Something a little bit more than everybody else. I'm saying there should be a hierarchy that I've just, I know, yes, maybe I had easier competition. Maybe my, my schedule was, you know, my road schedule was easier. Whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. I did it. You didn't. I won 95 games. You won 94 games. Give me some credit for that is my mentality as far as, as home field advantage goes in the World Series. But I don't know. I mean, that's that's my opinion. And I'm not saying that it's, you're wrong. I'm not saying what's right and what's wrong. I'm just saying that inevitably inevitably, there's going to be, there's some variable involved in however you determine home field advantage that is never going to be a perfect representation. Sure, well, well, nothing's yeah. perfect, but I just... That's, that's all I mean. But I, I'm not asking for perfection. I'm just asking for something a little bit more than what we have now, which is a game that is voted on by fans and... Well, not entirely. Well, it's not the, a start, the starting, starting lineup. Okay, well, fine. A game where the starting lineup is voted in by fans, which that has a big, you know, impact as far as yes, the manager will ultimately decide who starts the game, but <laughs> they are voting for which starting pitchers will even be there. No, they're, they're not. The fans have no vote on the starting pitcher. They only have the votes on the position players. What am I? Th- oh my goodness, you're right. I feel like such a fool. I apologize. I my brain just completely went nuts. Regardless, I am not a fan of uh, just this this current version of. Sorry, one second. That car was scrolling with me. The All Star Game should be an exhibition. That's that's my only point. 
is that I think it should be fun. I think in 162 games, every other game is intense. I've, I've felt that lump in my throat that you discussed. I, I always maintain that, I, I, that, that men in black mind wipey thing happens to me every April and I forget what it's like to be in October. And I'm like, October is the greatest time to be a baseball fan. And then October comes around and I've been lucky enough to see my team be in October. And it's the worst month of my life because I watch every single game sitting with a massive pit in my stomach, five inches away from the television screen, just so completely uh, racked with emotion. And it's just, it can be the best feeling in the world and the worst feeling in the world. So I feel like in the middle of all of that, to have just one game, one game where these guys can try the hidden ball trick, can, I want to see Prince Fielder try to steal a base. I want to see, you know, uh, uh, Lorenzo Cain or, or, or whoever, or, or Jose Iglesias or someone who doesn't have a lot of power sit there trying to swing for the fences. I want to see silliness. I want to see Ephus pitches. I want to see just random stuff. And you're not going to get that in a game that decides the World Series. Have the players ever gone on record talking about this? I'm just curious. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, these guys are just going to do... Uh, actually, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I don't know. I'm trying to think back. I mean, is the player, do the Players Association have any kind of say in this? Because it does make... it. Can, I mean, you could you, you, an argument could be made that it could make a difference in their playoff shares or their, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, I would imagine that Selig would have had to had a conversation with the Players uh, Association. But once again, I, I'm uh, unaware of that information. So uh, I will, once again, try to do some research and put that on clubhousepodcast.com for everybody. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. So regardless, I think it's safe to say that you and I are excited about uh, this All-Star game that we are about to be attending. If it doesn't rain... Yes, once again, you will know the outcome of this, but we are currently very, we're, we've been obsessively tracking um, our respective uh, we, weather apps. We means both of us, uh, I, you have been obsessively tracking. I got to throw me under the bus. I'm, I'm not trying throwing to... you under the bus, I'm just being accurate. You know, I'm the accurate one, you're the hyperbole man, so. I'm just saying it's all. Let's play our roles. I'm just saying it all. It's theater of the mind. I have been obsessively tracking the uh, weather app on behalf of both of us. Fine, I'm going to stop telling you what the weather updates are then. You just have to sit there and have to worry about whether this game is going to get pl- uh, get in on time. But hopefully the game will be played. The all- the uh, home run derby will be played. My buddy Zach Hample, the, uh, the home run catching whiz, is going to be in attendance where I'm going to see him in the All-Star game, which I'm very, very excited to see him. I think that... Uh, it's going to be a fun couple of days. 74 East? Okay. So we are maybe about uh, 20, 25 miles outside of Cincinnati. So I'm going to have to wrap this up as the roads start to get a little bit curvy up here. So ladies and gentlemen, the next time that you talk to, uh, or listen to, I should say, Anthony and myself. You, you, are you losing your mind even more than I usual? Saw. I'm sorry. You know, the amount of times that you stumble on a word, and I just sit back nicely, and I say, oh, look, it happens. We use words for a living. But people never talk to us. They only listen. 
in my brain. They, the, only, they only ever listen. The original sentence was going to be. I them for that, but that's all they do. <laughs> the original sentence was going to be the next time I talk to you, Anthony. But instead I went with the next time you listen to us fans. But uh, it got all jumbled in my brain. So the next time that I talk to Anthony and that you listen to us talk to one another. Yeah, because <laughs> that's even funnier because then it means like they're always hearing when you talk to me, which means that we only ever talk to each other when there's a microphone in front of our faces, <laughs> which is simply not true. <laughs> yeah, we do do a lot of talking uh, in, in this car. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the next time you hear our voices, is that okay? Sure. Okay, the next time you hear our voices coming out of your earbuds or your car radios or however you are consuming this podcast, we will be sitting inside of Great American Ballpark, probably covered in, in, in rain, but uh, you will hear us sitting in Great American Ballpark enjoying the AL take on the NL because this time it counts. Or the NL take on the AL, as the case may be. We'll see you in a couple seconds. Goodbye. We're going to take just a brief break so that Anthony and I can tell you about our first giveaway. I have a 2016 baseball stadium's wall calendar for sale through TF Publishing. They're available at Amazon.com, Calendars.com, as well as your local Meyer Big Lots, Stop and Shop, and more. I'll include all this info about how you can purchase one of my uh, calendars at my website, roundingthird.net. But for now, Anthony has a very exciting announcement to tell you all about. So uh, we're going to have our first giveaway. It's a giveaway contest. Here, It's very simple. Uh, we are always looking for more trivia questions to ask our, our guests for, their, for the game that we play at the end. Um, so if you have any cool trivia questions about your favorite team or about any team that you love or anything, send them to us, please, at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at clubhousepod. And we will look through those. And if we wind up using one of your questions, we will give you a free signed wall calendar. And it will be signed by Manish, who was the photographer. He will sign the Detroit Tigers, Comerica Park picture. And I will sign the Wrigley Field picture because I am a diehard Cubs fan. So send us your questions, please. And uh, good luck. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with former Detroit Tigers pitcher, Pat Ahern. He tells us about the life of a baseball player looking for a college to call home. Andy Lopez and his assistant coach, Bill Springman, came to my house, sat with my mom and I, and they said, we're going to go win a national title and we think you can help us out. <laughs> so they also slid a piece of paper over with a nice scholarship offer yeah, too. That, yeah. uh, I think parents are probably happy with I, that one. I, I always joke around with my mom because she did not have a poker face for that <laughs> one. While we drove to Cincinnati, Anthony discovered that there was a casino near the ballpark that was hosting a poker tournament. He decided to forego the home run derby craziness and get a little time in at the tables. That left me to take you through what turns out to be the best home run derby I have ever attended. We now take you inside the Great American Ballpark and the 2015 Home Run Derby. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm currently at Great American Ballpark for the Home Run Derby. <laughs> And as you can hear, hometown hero Todd Frazier is up at the bat, or up at the plate. I'm sorry. I'm just so amped up right now. This crowd is unbelievable. They have given him an ovation that rang my eardrums 
there's nothing but static in between my, my, my ears at this point. They are willing him. Unfortunately, Mr. Frazier met up against Prince Fielder in the first round, who knocked 14 home runs. So Todd's got about uh, a minute 40 to get seven more home runs, or at least six more home runs to tie. This crowd is... I think I'm starting to like this time, new time limit in the home run derby. Unfortunately, Anthony was not able to join me here uh, at the Derby. He's taking a little bit of time to play the poker tables, but I'm having a blast here in Cincinnati. Ladies and gentlemen, I am at the Great American Ballpark for the Home Run Derby. And hometown hero Todd Frazier is bringing this crowd to its feet. <laughs> this crowd is willing Todd Frazier. He needs three more home runs in 22 seconds. That's not going to make it. Oh my goodness, this place is going to come unglued if this happens. Hold on, folks. That's the end of his regulation. He's got 30 more seconds. We'll be back in a moment. I'm sorry, folks. Todd Frazier. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. That was unbelievable. Fantastic. All right, folks. You just got me for this part of the podcast, unfortunately, but I'll be back a little bit later on. Wow. Todd Frazier is now back up at the plate. Nine home runs to beat. This crowd is nervous. This crowd wants their boy to win. That's a long fly ball. Just over the fence. I feel like he's just teasing the crowd. I feel like he's just, he's starting slow. Yes. Todd Frazier is starting to heat up. With two minutes left, he needs four home runs to win. Three to tie, that's not gonna go. You can feel the energy in this crowd. Everybody in this city. And he takes time. I got a chill running down my back, ladies and gentlemen. The Todd father himself, 
Trying to win one for the Reds. This crowd is bonkers. I've been to some home run derbies in my life. This is, I think, probably my favorite so far. Anthony, you're missing a hell of a night. Number seven. And that's number eight. One more. And this crowd comes unglued. He's got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little bit of time. Oh, he's pressing though, he's pressing. Uh-oh. No, this crowd is getting antsy. We got about 30 seconds left. I'm gonna do my best Hawk Harrelson. Let's see, Jimmy Partle is for you. Stretch, stretch! Dang, gummit. Hi, Pop Fly. The drama is building, the tension is building. Stretch, stretch, stretch! This ball game is tied, folks! Straight away center, and there it goes! Todd Frazier! Todd Frazier! Todd Frazier! Todd Frazier! 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 <laughs> My wonderful seatmate is called Frazier. Wow. Todd Frazier has reached the finals of the Home Run Derby here in Cincinnati. What a beautiful night for baseball, folks. Just an absolutely beautiful night. I'm gonna lose my voice before tomorrow. We'll see you in the final round, I guess. The final round, folks. Todd Frazier has an uphill battle. The young kid from Los Angeles, Mr. Jock Peterson, has put on quite a show here tonight. Just straight mashing the cover off the ball. But here he comes. The Todd father himself. Todd Frazier. He needs 15 home runs, 14 to tie, 15 to win. That is a lot of home runs to hit in four minutes. Oh, and his first one goes right off the wall. He is hitting line drives right now. The wind is starting to pick up just a little bit.
you can feel the tension in the stadium. Everybody is on, is on their feet. Heck, I'm feeling, feeling tense about this, and I got no skin in the game. That one's not gonna make it, folks. Opposite field, maybe? I think that one went. He has three minutes to hit 10 more. That's his fifth home run. That is not gonna go. Oh, this crowd wanted it. This crowd wanted it. Two minutes and 35 seconds. And there's a timeout call by Mr. Todd Frazier. He has two minutes and 35 seconds to hit at least nine more home runs. I don't know, folks. He looks tired. Not many people have left this stadium. Still pretty full. Here we go. And the round is about to start one more time. Two minutes and 35 seconds to hit at least nine home runs. Ooh. I'm sure this is utterly fascinating for all of you who've known the outcome of this event for several weeks now. And there is one long fly ball, but straight straight away center, a little bit short. I don't know if he's gonna be able to do it, folks. Two minutes and 11 seconds. He's just getting just under the ball. He is getting just under the ball. He's hitting line drives now. Just gotta get somewhere in the middle of the line drives and the pop-ups. I'll tell you what, folks, I'm getting tired watching him, so I don't know how he is doing this. My arms are about to fall off. And that is number eight. That is number nine. Still a long ways to go. No, stay away from center field, Todd Frazier. Hey, pull that one. That is on the left field bleachers. That one is going to straightaway center. Left center field home run. He's at 11 with a minute to go. He does have 30 seconds of overtime. This is ridiculous. He needs at least two more to tie. 
time. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not gonna do it. This crowd thinks everything off his bat is good. It's all right though, he's still got 30 seconds. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. Just missed it. Warning track power, but we are going to a swing off, ladies and gentlemen. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. Oh no, we're not going to swing off. I am just, he's got 30 seconds to prevent a swing off. I, this is ridiculous. He's got 30 seconds to prevent this with 30 seconds to hit one home run. Do you think you can do it? Yes. At the nine second mark, he's gonna win it. That is the prediction for my seatmate. First swing. Best home run derby I've ever seen. Best home run ever, best home run derby I've ever seen. This place is rocking, folks. This place is on fire. <laughs> there is smoke filling the stadium. There is smoke filling the stadium. Todd Frazier has brought the thunder to Great American Ballpark. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my just awful commentary because I've been so caught up in this whole thing, but this has been insanely fun. And this is just a preview because we got the All-Star game tomorrow night. <laughs> Todd Frazier is currently holding up a WWF, or WWE, excuse me, uh, championship belt. That is just the best. Nobody has sat down yet. Everybody is on their feet. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and share this with your fellow baseball friends. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. That just makes it easier for other folks to be able to find out about our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discuss on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. 
Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special to you. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. The home base of the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and just the amazing baseball fans that are always hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, uh, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your son, anybody, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, mention the podcast to get a free bag tag with any purchase. The Clubhouse is produced by Zach McNeese. The website and logo were designed by Ronan Jora. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.